This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are man and system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, get- navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about that, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 what? You said what? 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 Welcome back to Space Castle. It's your clubhouse for all things nerdy. My name is DT, and I'm coming at you with a side quest episode this week. We're taking a little bit of a break from main episodes because I happen to be busy this past weekend with the Great American Beer Festival. It is a once a year event that takes place at the Colorado Convention Center in downtown Denver, Colorado. And we had a group of about 15 or 16 people all come in from various states, uh, both friends and family. And if you're not familiar, the Great American Beer Festival, also known as GABF, it's hundreds of breweries, thousands of beers, and for the low, low price for about 80 bucks, you get to spend four and a half hours walking around the convention hall, talking to brewmasters, sampling as many beers as you like, as many times as you like, and just celebrating beer culture and learning as much as you can, trying new things, discovering new things. If you have the means and the ability to get to Denver, Colorado, towards the end of September, early October for the festival, I highly, highly recommend it. If you're interested, tickets actually go on sale way in advance, but they sell out super quick. But we managed to get like 15 or 16 people in the door for our group, and it was an absolute blast. Before we jump into everything I want to talk about, I just want to give some big, big props to both Big Storm Brewing based out of Florida and Big Dog Brewing based out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Both of their setups were fantastic. The brewmasters I talked to were absolute sweethearts, super knowledgeable, were able to answer my questions, let me sample their beers. Just an awesome, awesome experience, great hospitality, people who are super passionate about making beer. And that's in general what it is, honestly. GABF is so much fun. It's not about going and getting tipsy and wasted and and acting a fool. It's very much a celebration of the culture of making beer, the artistry and the people involved and whatnot. You never see anybody get into fights. You see a couple of people get sloppy drunk and kind of stumble their way out, but I've never heard of anybody getting hurt or doing something stupid. It's just this fantastic sense of community where people are taking care of each other and checking in with each other and everybody's staying hydrated. They have water stations all over the place. It's just super fun. Highly, highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, that is what's keeping us from doing a full episode this time around. So uh, sorry, but also kind of not sorry because it was an amazing experience. So Nintendo finally dropped the first teaser trailer for the Super Mario movie. They did so last Thursday as part of a Nintendo Direct. The entire focus of the Direct was just the trailer itself. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it. A lot of people have kind of been dreading it. I was sort of in that latter camp. I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, video game movies don't have the best track record in the world. Some of them are god-awful. Some of them are pretty okay, like the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. And I really wasn't sure what was going to happen here. And everybody was very leery of Chris Pratt, who is you know, frequently in and out of trouble with the public in general for his knack of spouting off hyperbole. Uh, This is no different. He said that we could expect something we've never seen before for Mario's voice in this movie, which got a lot of people kind of confused and kind of stressed about it. We weren't entirely sure if he was going to be doing like a super like stereotypical New York accent, or if he was just going to be talking like he's just Chris Pratt. We didn't really know. The teaser trailer comes out and it opens up with Bowser. And I was actually very, very interested to see what Jack Black was going to be doing with the character of Bowser. 
I was kind of expecting Bowser to kind of sound like Poe from Kung Fu Panda, like the typical, you know, affectations that Jack Black has that we love him for. Turned out not to be the case. And I was kind of taken aback and actually pleasantly surprised that Jack Black is trying something sort of outside his general wheelhouse, and he's really playing Bowser as growly and sort of menacing and sort of deep-voiced. It was dope, actually. I really enjoyed listening to it, and I can't wait to see what he does with the character. But of course, the main event was what Chris Pratt is going to sound like as Mario, and I'm okay with it. We only got two lines out of him. It was something to the effect of, like, what is this place? And then followed up by, you know, like, Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Whatever. A lot of people are already freaking out. They're already saying it sounds like crap. It just sounds like Chris Pratt just talking like Chris Pratt. To me, I honestly hear a slight, like, Brooklyn, New York affectation in his voice. I see the effort there. I'm going to need to hear a whole lot more before I pass absolute judgment on it. Hopefully, they've got a full trailer coming at some point. But for right now, I don't think it sounds bad. I mean, I know a lot of people were hoping for something akin to what Charles Martinet has been doing with the character for decades. Charles Martinet, of course, is the longtime professional voice actor who plays the voice of Mario in all the video games, all the commercials and whatnot. But guys, friends, if we're being 100% honest, 90 minutes of Charles Martinet just going wahoo and yahoo and talking like the very, very sort of stereotypically cartoonish Italian plumber that Mario is in the games would be grating it would cause a huge disassociation problem for the audience. They wouldn't be able to relate to him. I think it's absolutely fine that they're going with a different take for Mario. This is not going to be a cookie cutter sort of translation from the games to this movie, obviously. And I think it's fine that they're going a different direction with Mario's voice. I think it's smart, honestly, because you want Mario to be a relatable sort of fish out of water character in the situation where he's been thrust into the Mushroom Kingdom and having to go about finding his way, probably inevitably teaming up and helping Princess Peach. Uh, Hopefully she's not the damsel in distress because Anya Taylor-Joy, who's playing Princess Peach, deserves better than that. I'm hoping Peach is a very active character and I hope it's more of a team up and less of like a rescue type situation. But yeah, I think it's fine. I am eager now to see Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong and I really want to know more about what Charlie Day is going to be doing with Luigi. If Charlie Day is also going to be aiming for that sort of subtle Brooklyn Italian accent, because I think Charlie Day is going to have a good energy for Luigi, because Luigi's kind of manic. He's kind of all over the place, whereas Mario is much more level-headed, straightforward. So we'll see. I think it's going to be fine. I don't know if this is something I'm going to like go out of my way to see in the theaters. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But... It's something I'm definitely going to be eager to check out as it hits streaming. And on the topic of casting Chris Pratt in the first place, I think it's a smart move. I know he's got a lot of controversy around him these days. Uh, The dude kind of talks out of his butt every once in a while and it gets him into trouble. I don't know him personally. I don't know his politics. I don't really care to talk about his politics here in this podcast. We've never been a political podcast. But this is Nintendo taking a huge risk. They have not ventured into, you know, the Hollywood movie production industry for 30 years after the first Super Mario Brothers with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo was such a disaster. They've strayed away from that completely. So they're coming back into that fray. They're doing it with a flagship character. And what they're doing at the same time is they're trying to launch a new multimedia company, Nintendo Pictures. They want to start a film studio. And this is going to be the, you know, the the product to try and push that and make it happen. When you're taking that big of a risk and you're trying to do so many things at once, 
you're going to look for name actors to try and attract as wide an audience as possible to help this thing make money to make it a success so they can get their return on investment and also come back and be able to make more money that they can turn around and invest into future projects. Is Chris Pratt my first choice as Mario? Absolutely not. Honestly, Jack Black wouldn't have been my first choice for Bowser either, despite the fact that I love Jack Black, but he sounds fantastic in the trailer. So, I mean, Mario being the main character, he's going to be a bit of a cipher. It's going to be something we're not going to know a whole lot about and get the full breadth of until we get a proper trailer or until the movie actually comes out. It's going to remain a mystery because he is the wild card in this movie. Not just Chris Pratt, but Mario himself in general, too. Like, what they're going to do with the character. Obviously, he looks different than he does in the games. It's going to be a different interpretation of the character. And I know that Nintendo is fucking terrified of making movies with this character after what happened with the Bob Hoskins movie. So I say, let's trust him. Let's see what happens. Because for right now, we don't really know much at all. We've seen some visuals, which I think look fantastic. And I cannot wait to see the full breadth of the movie. I can't wait to see everything in motion. I can't wait to see what they do with the Mushroom Kingdom and how they explore the characters in there. I'm excited. Like I said, it's probably not going to be like a, like a theater experience for me, but I'm very excited to give my money to Nintendo and support and watch the movie at home. Let's all take a deep breath. Let's all just realize that this is going to be a very different take on Mario, but this is going to be a take on Mario that's going to be produced by a company that's very, very protective of their IP and wants to do everything in their power not to fuck this up. And I have faith that they're not going to fuck it up. I think it's going to be okay. You can all stop screaming on Twitter about it. <laughs> or if you want to keep screaming on Twitter and you think I'm full of shit, and you think this movie's going to be a disaster, absolutely add us at Space Castle Pod on Twitter or Instagram and uh, let me know what you think. Second of all, we are now five episodes into Star Wars Andor on Disney+. Let me preface all of this by saying that I have largely written off Star Wars since Disney took over. I was not a fan of the sequel trilogy at all. The first season of The Mandalorian was quite good. I was really disappointed that it just became sort of a, a stealth sequel to Rebels. And I know that Dave Filoni is sort of the master of the sandbox when it comes to Star Wars these days. And some exceptions aside, I'm not generally a big fan of Dave Filoni and what he's done with Star Wars. Book of Boba Fett was a fucking disaster. Not a fan of that at all. And I was honestly expecting more of the same with Andor. I you know, was making jokes that, oh, okay, great, we're going to spend two seasons with a character and already know how he dies. What possibly decent story could they tell here and why are they wasting our time? It's just going to be another cash grab, right? Another attempt at you know, doing something that might look prestige just to pull in more subscriptions for Disney+. Plus. They're not going to do it justice. It's just going to be a piece of shit, kind of like what the other series have been. Again, if you disagree with me, if you love Book of Boba Fett, I want to have a conversation about that. So please, add us at Space Castle Pod at Twitter. Let me know what you think. I don't want to fight with you. Um, that's not my vibe. That's not my jam. But I would absolutely love to hear from somebody who thinks Book of Boba Fett was really good. Because who knows, maybe it'll change my mind. So, Andor comes out. I watched the first three episodes. And the first episode goes by. And I'm thinking like, shit, this is actually pretty good. Diego Luna is firing on all cylinders here. The cast is stellar. The show is absolutely goddamn fucking beautiful to look at too. And I'm actually engaged in this storyline. Like this feels lived in. They're not using the volume technology that they used for The Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett. Volume technology being, of course, those giant LED screens that sort of surround the actors and create sort of a, a virtual environment right there on the soundstage. They're shooting on location. They're shooting in actual environments. 
And I think that's what we've been missing from Star Wars for a long time is that sort of lived in real tangible field of this universe. We've gotten sort of, you know, let's make it as good as we can, as cheaply as we can and kind of forget about, you know, that heart and soul to it. But that right off the bat hooked me in is the fact that this is absolutely gorgeous. It's shot outside for once. The actors are fully committed to their characters. And there's a lot going on here that I really enjoyed right from the beginning. But I was still leery. One episode is, is gone by and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just going to watch the next two episodes in one go. I'm just going to binge the shit and see what it's all about. And the deeper I get into this, the more I'm realizing that this is possibly the best Star Wars we've gotten in 40 years. This is something that I've, as a small kid who fell in love with Star Wars, I mean, I, I was born in 1983. I was born like just a few months after Return of the Jedi came out. So I wasn't somebody who grew up, you know, watching the, the movies in theaters and whatnot. I was somebody who got that love of Star Wars passed down to me from my dad, who actually did go and see the movies in the theaters. Oddly enough, uh, A New Hope came out on you know May 25th, 1977, and that was like his 13th birthday. So he's got crazy ties to Star Wars, and he passed it on to me. But growing up, all I had was the original trilogy. Then the prequels came along, and I wasn't a big fan of them at all. The stilted acting, the sort of deflation of Darth Vader as a character, because he was my favorite character and villain of all time up to that point. Just didn't work for me. The sequel trilogy came around, and I honestly think that's a fucking disaster. I'm not a fan at all. But this show is doing what I've always wanted to see done with Star Wars, and that is an exploration and a widening of that galaxy. It's been way too narrow for way too long, where it's all Luke Skywalker or Jedi or lightsabers or Darth Vader or R2-D2 and C-3PO popping up random spots. And up to this point, after the original trilogy, the galaxy has always felt super claustrophobic, way too interconnected with just such a small number of characters. And it, it just, it didn't feel grand and fantastic, just lived in and strange and beautiful. And it hasn't ignited people's imaginations, I think, for 40 years, honestly. And that's what this show is doing. We're getting more of a slice of life. We're getting small character beats. We're getting the underside of the galaxy that's not about huge, grandiose fucking destinies and the force and lightsabers and the soul of the galaxy type of shit. It's, it's one man who's desperate to find his sister and he's making a lot of bad choices. He's having to make a lot of really seedy decisions. He's not a great person, but he's scraping by and trying to be a good person despite all of that to find his sister and just cobble his life back together. And he's surrounded by people who care about him, but he's dragging them down too, which is a fucking interesting concept that we don't really see in Star Wars. We saw that with Anakin, but in a grand, huge scope where we knew he was destined to become Darth Vader. He was going to eventually play a huge role in the downfall of the galaxy. And it's just too big. Star Wars has always been at its best, I feel, when it's small and intimate. And it's dealing with characters' emotions and how they interact with one another. And that's all this show is. It's more than that, obviously, but at its core, it's just about one man just trying to survive and the people around him and the world around him and how they react to his decisions and how they influence his decisions. And the show is fucking gritty. It's lovely. There are gray sides to every character. We learned that Mon Mothma is dealing with basically, I don't want to say terrorists, but we're getting down to the fact that you have to establish that the rebellion is not filled with knight in shining armor people. These are people who have made the decision to commit acts of violence and terrorism and destruction in order to attempt to change things and overthrow the oppressive government. And that's interesting to me because we're not seeing Princess Leia in white robes. 
We're not seeing, you know, General Dodondo with his flowy Gandalf beard. Everybody's all smiles and jokes and, you know, camaraderie and whatnot. These are real gritty people who are making absolutely horrible decisions that they shouldn't have to make, but they're doing it for the sake of trying to make the galaxy a better place and overthrow this horrible, horrible galactic empire that's just oppressing and crushing everybody under its heel. But it's interesting to me, and we got a little of that with Rogue One, wherein we, we meet Saw Gerrera, who is also featured in the Clone Wars cartoon, and he's an extremist. Like He's not a pleasant person at all. He's not even really sort of a revolutionary. He's borderline terrorist in his actions and what he wants to do and how he wants to go about you know, overthrowing the Empire. And he's a fanatic at the same time. He believes in his cause so strongly that he's willing to take lives to do it. And the exploration of that is something that Star Wars has never really been brave enough to talk about. I mean, we all cheer and leap out of our seats when Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star, and it's been the butt of jokes in movies and TV shows and whatnot that, you know, he saved the galaxy, really saved the rebellion by blowing up the Death Star. But at the same time, you know, he took the lives of thousands, if not millions of people that were on board. And what are the repercussions of that? And finally, we've got a TV series, and thank goodness for Tony Gilroy, because he's absolutely knocking it out of the park as the showrunner. We're exploring those gray undertones. It's not just black and white anymore. But I honestly think that Andor is one of the best things to happen to Star Wars in a very, very long time. And I hope that the reception to it once it's finished is not only positive, but also large in scale too. I hope that people are clamoring for a season two. It's already being greenlit, so they are going forward with it. Thank goodness. And it's just going to be the two seasons, so it's not something that's ever going to be like dragged out for more ratings and whatnot, hopefully. But I hope that people latch onto it like I have, and I hope they appreciate that we're getting a very special look at Star Wars that we should have had way before this. And I hope that we get more of it in the future, not just from Andor. You know, I hope people realize that Star Wars can be fun and fanciful and silly, much like The Mandalorian or Rebels and that ilk, but it can also be serious. It can also be darker in tone. It could be made for a more mature audience because a lot of the audience for the original trilogy is, you know, people like me who are in their 30s or 40s or even older, like my dad, who is, you know, in his late 50s. We latched onto those character moments, those beats, as well as the, the fanciful sort of, you know, swords and guns type of shit. Star Wars can be so many things. There's such an opportunity to present different tones and different material to so many different types of people. And I'm glad that they're finally, finally taking the opportunity and making the brave choices to attempt to do that. Because I was honestly just fucking getting tired of Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. Just cheap, lazy. Hearts are in the right places, perhaps, but the execution's just not there because it was, let's do it as good as we can for as cheaply as we can and throw it out there. And, you know, majority of the fan base is going to eat it up anyway. But again, if you're a big fan of Obi-Wan or Book of Boba Fett or Season 2 of The Mandalorian, hit me up. I'd like to talk about it. Absolutely. But for me, I mean, Andor is where it's at. And I'm super excited that we're finally getting to the sort of Captain America Winter Soldier slash Captain America Civil War aspects of the Star Wars universe in that we're getting a darker, more serious look at it without sacrificing what Star Wars has always been. A lot of people like to say, yeah, it's... It's a children's movie about space wizards, but it's always been so much more than that. There's always been so much more underneath the surface that not enough filmmakers who were fortunate enough to be able to, to work within the Star Wars universe have ever explored. So thank you, Tony Gilroy. I'm super fucking psyched. We're about halfway through the first season of Andor now, and I cannot wait for the second half. I can't wait to see where the characters are going to go next. I can't wait to see what happens with this heist that they're going to pull off on this planet. And also, you know, thank you so much to the cast who are just 
balls out going for it. Like Stellan Skarsgård is absolutely fucking knocking it out of the park as Luthen in this. There's one scene where he lands on Coruscant, which by the way has never looked more beautiful than it does here, I think, where he is getting into character and he's playing his outward like public facing role, basically essentially his disguise, sort of like Batman versus Bruce Wayne. He's getting into his Bruce Wayne persona. And there's just this one scene where he's on board a ship before he leaves to go into his antique shop where he changes his clothes and he puts on some jewelry and he puts on a wig. And it's just this incredible actor moment, this actorly moment that's effortless, where he physically and emotionally transforms from the rebellion sort of agent that we know into the public facing, bougie, sort of aristocratic antique store owner. And it's just simple gestures and a simple change in his facial muscles that conveys what he's doing as he's transforming into this guise to trick everybody. And it's just a wonderful character moment. And we don't see that in Star Wars. We haven't seen that in Star Wars for a very long time. And it's wonderful little moments like that. The true actual filmmaking. And it is filmmaking. It's not just creating a product to be consumed. It's actual artistry on display here with Andor. And I'm thrilled. I'm so excited that we're finally getting some really, really legitimately good filmmaking along with the gee whiz bang that we've gotten from Star Wars since Disney took over. As always, this is Space Castle, your clubhouse for all things nerdy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Please, once again, hit me up at Space Castle Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're also active on TikTok, too, if you want to take a look. We've been doing little video clips of our episodes and whatnot, having a lot of fun doing that. Also doing little skits here and there just to, you know, poke fun at ourselves and have a good time. If you don't want to yell at me and tell me that Obi-Wan was amazing and that I'm full of shit and that Andrew is actually boring, you can do that privately at SpaceCastlePodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to become part of the crew here in the Space Castle, you can do so at patreon.com slash SpaceCastlePod. Doing so will afford you the ability to help shape the show by taking part in voting and polls. It'll give you special perks on our Discord. The Discord is a blast, by the way. The link for that is always in the show notes, and it's very easy to join up. We'd uh, highly recommend you do so. We've got a lot of really rad people in there always having a good time. My name is DT, and uh, that's it for me. Hope you guys are having a great week. Hope you're all out there taking care of yourselves and each other. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.